Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renew Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Morning. How you guys doing? Doing pretty good. So clearly, I am not Pastor Trevor. A few inches shorter than him. Okay, it, not that funny, guys. It's not that funny. Well, welcome to Renew Church, man. If this is your first time here, welcome. Thank you for being here. I would encourage you guys to fill out this Connect card. It just helps us get to know you a little bit better. You can drop it off in one of the buckets on your way out. And even on the back side of it, um, it allows you to be able to communicate with us. So if you'd like to talk to a pastor, if you'd like to make a decision to follow Jesus, learn about small groups, learn about serving, whatever it is, you can fill it out on the back of that Connect card. And we check them out. We want to help you guys as best as possible. So... Today we got something pretty special planned, something we haven't done here in a really long time. Typically on a, you know, Sunday morning, there's one person giving a message, right? That's pretty normal. Well, today we've got five people giving the message. Yeah. Hey, bro. Hey, um... Kind of in the middle of something right now. Yeah, I know the feeling. But listen, I wanted to tell you where I am right now. I'm at Homestead Campus for the brand new launch of Renew Church. Bro, I, I thought you said you were sick. No, man. I said I'm with Rick. Is that Mikey? Yeah. What's up, Mikey? <laughs> okay, so Rick was invited to this. I think that's something I maybe should have been invited to as well. Anyway... Uh, this place is electric, man. Yeah, well, we got electricity here too, so it's not that big of a deal. All right, well, listen, I gotta go. There's some free food over there. Hey, man, you know what? Actually, what am I doing? We've literally been in a series about the dangers of comparing, and I'm literally comparing my situation to yours. I'm sorry, dude. You know what? Renew Church is launching a second church. That's a really good thing. Can we make some noise for Renew number two, Homestead Campus, launching this morning? Thank you, guys. Awesome. God bless you. We'll see you soon. All right, buddy. I'll teach you how to use a phone. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, as we keep this thing moving on. <laughs> I mentioned we got five speakers. I'd like to bring our speakers up to the stage right now. Give it up for them. So I'll introduce them. We have Miss Sandy Abbott. We have Obed Sani Esteban. We have Miss Rebecca Jury. We have Mel Sani Esteban. And Carlos Nieves. All right, now let's hear from Miss Sandy Abbott. Well, that was fast. All right. 
I have five minutes to do this, which is hard for a Cuban. <laughs> I want to talk today about how grace brings freedom, and it has to do with comparison. I really want to just give you my testimony about how God freed me from legalism and comparison. He freed me from this need to perform and perfectionism that I felt most of my Christian life. I was saved when I was 12, and I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I totally understood that I was saved by grace. But I thought I had to earn God's love through good works. I know that God saved me, but that's just the way he is. God saves people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he liked me or that he loved me. I thought I had to be on my best behavior to earn his favor. But that is not the way God works. And what we're going to look at today is a verse that is going to tell the truth about how God sees things, right? So we're going to be in um, Luke chapter 18, and we're going to be looking at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. What I want to do is contrast for you the difference between law and grace the difference between the cycle of achievement and the cycle of grace that Pastor Trevor has been talking about. And it's how we approach God. We come one of those two ways. So we're going to look at two men in the Bible. And I'm going to start reading in um, verse 10. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Did you notice all the things the Pharisee did? Aren't you impressed? Did you see how he compared himself to someone else? He didn't confess any sin. He thought he had no sin. That's a delusion. He didn't want to see the true condition of his heart. The tax collector, on the other hand, didn't have such illusion. This is what it says. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner and not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. Why was the despised tax collector, who was clearly a sinner, justified, and not the Pharisee who followed the law? There's one reason why the tax collector received grace, and it's because he asked for it. It's as simple as that. The Pharisee did not ask. He tried to earn it. And it's pride many times that keeps us from coming to God empty-handed. And that's the sin the Pharisee was going through. That's why Jesus said that those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The difference between these two men was a matter of focus. Law causes us to focus on ourselves and to compare ourselves with others. We're looking horizontally. Grace causes us to look up, to look at what God can do. And that was the same issue 
that Peter was going through. Last week when we were looking at Peter, he had his eyes on the wrong person. Jesus was having a one-to-one -one conversation with him. Could you imagine that? And Peter was turning around and saying, what about him? What Peter was really asking was, what about me, Jesus? Do you love me as much as you love John? Many times we're asking God the same question. We think God's love is finite. It's limited. He can only love just so many people. But God's love is infinite, and it can encompass all of us. We don't have to compete for God's love. I was like Peter. I was like the Pharisee. I was performing. I was stuck in perfectionism. But one day I made a mistake that was so big I could not deny it. And I had to fall on my knees and ask God not only for forgiveness but for help. And that day, God asked me if I wanted to see what was at the root of my behavior. He showed me the unforgiveness that I had in my heart, the willingness to hold a grudge and withhold love. And I got to tell you, I have never felt more loved by God. I've never felt more loved, period, than I felt in that moment where I understood that what I was trying to hide from, God had already seen. He had seen it, he had forgiven it, and he still loved me. That moment, I was freed from comparison, freed from performance, and I could just be loved and accepted. People are afraid, Pharisees are afraid of the kind of grace the tax collector received that day. Because we think it gives people a license to sin. But what it does is it frees you to admit your imperfections without fear that love is going to be withdrawn. It frees you to let God, God's grace, deal with you from the inside out. So you no longer have to compare yourself and wonder if you're loved. You know you're loved. You're free to be yourself. God made you uniquely you. He made me uniquely me, and he is able to love us both just where we are and just where he wants to take us. Thank you. Good morning, Renewed Family. God bless you. My name is Obed. It is a privilege this morning to bring the word of God. And this morning I'll be sharing the word through Daniel chapter 1. Only two verses I'm going to share with you guys. Verse 5 and verse 8. I don't know if y'all remember the, the, the book of Daniel, when Daniel had a very important task. He was invited to be part of the king's crew. He was invited to be part of the king's people. Him and his four buddies, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Guess what happened? It was a privilege to be part of that, but Daniel had a little situation trying to compare what he had from God and what this man, Nebuchadnezzar, was doing. That's why the word of God says in verse chapter 5, I mean, verse 5, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Incredible. Three years under the command of Nebuchadnezzar, 
thinking that he's the best man in the whole wide world. He could control them. He could do whatever he wants. But at the end, verse number verse 8 says, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable food. He found the confirmation from God. He knew God was talking to him. He knew God was going to take care of him in every moment of his life. But God wanted him to, a total surrender of his life to God, not to Nebuchadnezzar. God wanted to see something happen in the life of those four young men. And guess what? Daniel took the leap of faith. And he trusted in God and believed in God. And God was going to back him up. How many times in our life this morning we have situations that we're going through? Situations that sometimes compromise us. Situations that throws us into comparison. We compare ourselves with the world. Nebuchadnezzar thought he had everything on his side. I'm going to control these people. I'm going to show these people I know what I'm doing. But Nebuchadnezzar never knew that God was always behind Daniel's back. God is always going to be with you in the good times. God will be with you in the bad times. God will hug you and show you one more time that he is the loving God. He will be good to you all the way to the end. Don't compare yourself what the world offers. But you put your trust in God and his blessings will be over you. If Daniel did it, you could do it this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Well, good morning again, everyone. My name is Rebecca, and I am excited to be here today. Uh, we had a joke, us five, what was Pastor Trevor thinking, you know, giving us five minutes, a preacher, a mic, and Mikey was going to be like the gong show. He's going to sit on the side there and gong us if we take longer. But as Pastor Trevor asked us, you know, this five for five sermon on this OCD series we've been on, I immediately asked God, what do you want me to say, God? I enjoy this, I'm enjoying this series, but I've never really been one to compare myself to others. I have many other things that I am passionate about that I can preach on, but comparison is not really one of them. God, what do I say? So I pondered with the Lord. Uh, I don't just ponder uh, with God when I need to speak. I, I've developed this through relationship in the last few years with God. And in that pondering, this is what he reminded me of. We are to bear one another, not compare one another. And again, let me try to unpack this in the next few minutes. What God brought to my mind was comparison became a thing in my life after conversion. After I accepted Christ in my life, although I had grown up in church, I've only known God for the last 13 years. Before then, I was obligated to go to church as a child, and then for a while, I was a church goer. But I really did not have a relationship with God until 2008. And what I found that year was that I was really lost. On April 11, 2008, I experienced grace, that grace that Sandy was talking about earlier. And as I started my walk, and now I'm involved in church and in ministry, 
I felt as if I was just always wrong. I, religion had been imposed on me as a child. It made me run really fast, really, really far. And now I'm saved by grace. And I'm told, don't pray like this. Don't pray like that. It should be like this. You know, when you sing and worship, uh, you shouldn't sing that way. And I have a note here. I wish I could sing because if I could, I'd be up here every Sunday. And I can't. So whoever sits next to me, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I, you should fast this way this many times a week. And it should look like this or like that. And, you know, this is a really good one. Perhaps you should even be praying in tongues by now. You've been a Christian long enough. And I think you guys can kind of get where I'm going with this. I found myself comparing my relationship with God to the way that others were telling me that it should be. And so let's see what the scripture says about this. Here we have the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6. I'm going to read verse 2 and 3, and then I'll read 13 and 15. And this says, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised. That way they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. And 15 says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Amen. And I say here, I have a side note here that I, I wrote, grace comes from God, has nothing to do with man. And I truly believe that anyone who imposes their own ways on others has not truly understand grace. We are not saved by works. We are saved by the grace of God. It's undeservable. It's unexplicable. Here we see Paul telling the Galatians to carry each other's burdens not push their burdens on others in your own ways. The gospel is not what people tell you to do or how to do it, even if we're leaders or pastors. And I quote here, the Bible says, uh, seek wise counsel. And don't misinterpret me today. I'm not saying don't speak to your leaders or your pastors. But it's about what God, through your own relationship with him, will tell you to do. And that looks different for everyone. Scripture teaches us to seek wise counsel, and it's okay to do. But ultimately, there's a part that us leaders and pastors cannot do for you because it's personal. And so grace, again, is something unexplicable. It's something that truly cannot even be put into words. It happens on the inside of a person, and it's what allows us to see people the way God sees them. Amen. And so Galatians 6.10, and I'll close with this, tells us, Therefore, as we have opportunity, and I think in this world we live in, there's a lot of daily opportunities. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul is talking to the church. And today I talk to the church here, online, at large the body of Christ, this short message on OCD, obsessive comparison disorder, is for us. 
the Bible calls us to bear one another, not compare one another with our own ways. And that's what I have for you guys today. Amen. Good morning, Renew. My name is Mel. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. For, for those who know, my brother, Obed is my brother. So first service, uh, Mikey called him my name. I'm like, hello, he's not Mel, I'm, I'm Mel, he's Obed. So that's why. But today I want to share about the love of God is greater than the love of the world. And I'm going to be reading 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. The first motivation John gives us is that if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. In other words, the reason that you shouldn't love the world is that you can't love the world and God at the same time. Now, love for the world pushes us out of the love of God. And the love of God pushes us out to love the world. We live in a world that it's, it's, each day is getting worse and worse. If you think things are going to get better, it's not going to get better. But there's one thing I can tell you. We can't let the world influence our life because it needs to be a separate. Now, also in Matthew, it says, no, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So don't love the world because the world puts you in the class with God-haters, whether you think you are or not. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. That's the first reason John gives us not to love the world. Now, uh, for those who know, I'm 47 years old. For the past last year, um, last eight years of my life, I've been working for the city of Hialeah for the police department. In my last four years, I've been working for the 911 communication. It's, it's a tough area to work with. Um, I'm one of the supervisors there. But I was analyzing in my life, you know, my coworkers, um, because of what COVID has brought, you know, we're shortage of, of dispatchers, of, of call takers. So we are, you know, we help out doing overtime. And I see a lot of my coworkers, they do so much overtime, money and money. But I do help, but I do a balance in my life because I can't let the world take over what God has gave me. God has to be the first one in my life. The Bible says God will provide all your needs. And when you put God first in your life, trust me, you're going to go through tribulations. You may go through problems, but one thing that the world doesn't have is you got God right next to you. That he's right there to help you. It doesn't matter what you go through. So one thing I want to let one your people know is that the love of God is greater than the love of the world. It's not worth it. It's worth to serve God and follow God. God bless you. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. My name is Carlos. And when I heard that what the sermon series was about, I was excited because I've really never heard comparison preached about before. But I know that it's something that affects all of us in one way or another. So I struggle with comparisons, but I don't really struggle with comparing possessions. Even though, if I'm being honest, the past couple of weeks I've been struggling with this. Because whenever my phone rings, I get extremely jealous that Pastor Trevor has an iPhone 31 Max Pro, and I'm still rocking this thing. I mean, like, he's even got the Bluetooth hooked up that is coming out of the house speakers. It's pretty wild. But the comparison issue that I struggle with is I would compare myself to other people. I would compare my education, 
I would compare my accomplishments, my stature. Literally, I would be comparing my self-worth. And the issue would come up any time that I would be in a position that I could go out for a job or a, a team or even talk to a girl. Obviously, that was before I met my beautiful wife back there. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I would see somebody who in my mind was better suited for whatever it was, and I would quit. I would turn away. I wouldn't take a chance because I didn't want to end up failing or embarrassing myself. Comparisons held me back from successes, from successes and achievements that could advance me in my life. And this issue even held me back from going to church because I didn't think in my mind that I could live up to a certain standard because I knew people who went to church and I would compare myself with them and they would talk a different way than I would and they would carry themselves in a way that I thought was a way that you had to be to approach God. I needed to build myself up in order to go to God. So instead of going to church, I would start reading the Bible at home by myself and I would do daily devotionals and one verse stuck out to me above all the rest, and it's Galatians 1.10. And it says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And that was a big eye-opener for me. So just to give a little bit of background on that, Paul was writing to this letter to the church in Galatia. And there was a group of Jewish Christians who were still insisting that the Gentiles, which were the non-Jewish people of the time, they had to follow the law of Moses in order to be saved. They were questioning Paul's teachings and even questioning whether he was a real apostle. So we get a sense in reading this letter that Paul was agitated. But it was not because of vanity or because of ego. He got upset because they were preaching a completely different gospel while at the same time calling Paul a people pleaser. But Paul, in spite of these accusations and comparisons, threw down the evidence and he told them, I'm not trying to please any man. He was a chosen apostle by the resurrected Jesus, and now he seeks the approval of only God and God alone. So this verse opened my eye to the fact that I was living for this world and I wasn't living for God. In my comparisons, I was so afraid of failure or looking foolish to people that I closed myself off to the call of God and what he wants for my life. And I was living for man and not for God. So now I actually find it funny. I have these comparisons turned around and they're thrown back at me. When my friends ask me to go out to happy hour for drinks on a Friday night and I turn them down, they don't understand. They don't get it. I don't need to go out and have drinks with people my age or, you know, spend my weekends partying or, you know, pleasing people. When God is calling me to lead this youth ministry so that these uh, young kids can get to know him better and I, they can get closer to God. It doesn't bother me anymore how that might look to some people because I know who I am now. And God knows that I'm being obedient to his calling. So I urge all of you to take some time this week to, see, uh, to seek out what God's calling you to do in your lives. And once you have it, pursue it, knowing that with God, all things are possible. Do not let comparisons hold you back from what God wants in your life. Now, I cannot tell you what God is calling, uh, what God's calling is in your life, but I can tell you what God wants for you. 
God wants your hearts. When we look back at Paul and why he was so upset, it was that the Galatian Christians were changing the gospel message. As he states later on in his letter, to suggest that we must do more to be truly saved is to make Jesus' death on the cross meaningless. Jesus died for all. To pay for our sins and to deliver us. So we are saved through his works, not by any works that we may do. So if you have accept, if you have not accepted Jesus into your life, then what better day than today to make that decision? So it's a simple prayer that we are going to all say together, but it's not about the words. It's about the heart behind the words. It's accepting that what Jesus has done for us and to turn away from the life that we lived before. So if we can all bow our heads and we can say this a prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. I know that I'm a sinner, but I choose to leave that life behind. Today, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. So with all heads bowed, if that was your first time making that decision, would you please be bold enough to raise your hand so that we can give you a Bible and welcome you into this family? All right. So I'm going to say a prayer before um, we get into worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time together, Lord. We thank you for this moment to just be able to come together and and hear the word of God and just the fellowship together, Lord. Lord, I pray for everybody in this room. Lord, I pray for their hearts. I pray for their needs, Lord. I pray that they are just willing to, to listen to these words and just to take them to heart and just to move forward in their lives. Lord, we pray also today for, for, the, um, for the new Homestead campus, Lord. I pray that, that everything, everything goes well there, Lord, and just that you just bless that campus, Lord. You bless that time. You bless that message. You bless the, uh, the growth that we are seeing in this church. Lord, I pray for the worship that is about to happen. Lord, I pray that it just opens hearts and opens minds, Lord. And I pray for the fellowship that is going to happen after the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
man, that is it right there, man. That's it. If you leave here today and you don't get anything else, know that Christ died for you. Don't ever forget it. And if this is the first time hearing it or first time contemplating it, man, cherish that. Oh, what a savior. Oh, what a savior. Man, guys, you may be seated. Thank you guys for joining us this Sunday. Man, some good things happening, man. Again, like just to reiterate, Renew Church is, we've launched our second church, man. That is unbelievable. Like, and like, and, and we don't say that to like brag and say, you know, we're so awesome. But before Renew Church was ever even a thing, man, our pastor, Pastor Trevor, felt like God was was leading him and 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 showing him, hey, I'm, I'm going to launch seven churches from this Renew Church movement. They're going to be spread out throughout Miami-Dade County. They're going to be solely for the purpose to bring glory to my name. And let me tell you guys, planning a church is hard. Hard. I've been here since the beginning, since the very beginning, and it is hard, man. And there's a lot of closed doors, and there's a bunch of things that have to break right. But when God wants to do something, he gets it done. And so Renew Church number two is a reality. It's unbelievable, guys. Un it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to really see it. And I'm harping on this because, again, I, I'm, I'm biased. I've been here since the beginning. And it was such a huge thing to say, like, how are we going to do this? And Pastor Deke's leading it. And unbelievable. Unbelievable. Believable, and we're not done. Renew Church is not done. God is continuing to do something here. Maybe one of you guys in this room is the is Renew Church number three's planner. It could look that way. We have no idea, but God knows, and God is doing something. And I'm just happy to be a part of it. I'm happy you guys are here supporting us and and worshiping our God. Um, man, I'm I'm preaching now. Great. Here we go. Now, um, <laughs> let me get into some announcements. Uh, man. Our worship team's phenomenal, right? Yeah. Well, tonight at 6.30 p.m. here, we're having a night of worship. It's just them leading us in worship. It's going to be an amazing, powerful time. And I encourage you guys to come back and hang out with us at 6.30 for a night of worship. Also, on your way out, you're going to be getting one of these. Um, it's kind of our Easter campaign. You're giving peeps to your peeps. Does anyone in here enjoy the candy peeps? Yes? I'll be, I'll be, I'll be praying for you, my sister. All right. No, but take these peeps, man. It's just a creative way to invite uh, some of your friends, families, coworkers, whatever. Get them to Easter. Easter is pretty much the day where most people will go to church just out of obligation Let's make Renew Church that place for them to come to and experience the risen Christ. Am I right? So take that on your way out. Um, also, baptism is coming up on April the 10th. And if you've recently just started following Jesus, we encourage you to get baptized. It's kind of that next step. What baptism is, is it's symbolic of a decision that you've made inside your heart. When you go into that water, it, it symbolizes you dying to your old self. And when you get out of that water, you're raising a new life in Christ. And we celebrate that. And if that's you, you're considering that, man, check out our website, 
renew.miami forward slash baptism. There's a bunch of information there on what baptism is. There's also a registration link so you can fill out and notify us that you want to get baptized or just come find a pastor and talk to us about it. We'd be more than happy to help you out with that. Lastly, guys, if you'd like to give to Renew Church, I just want to let you know that there's a few ways that you can do that. The first way to do that is in person via the envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you, and you can drop them off on one of the buckets on your way out. The second way to do that is to do it online by visiting renew.miami forward slash giving. And the third and final way to do that is to do it via text by texting GIVE to 786-565-1165. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. Um, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, God, to worship you, oh God. And we pray that you would bless uh, this offering this morning, God, as we worship you and continue to worship you, Lord, in this way. Uh, Father, use it for your purposes, God. Continue to expand the kingdom of God in the city of Miami and beyond, oh God. God, use it, Lord. And I pray that you would bless these people, Father, for worshiping you in this way and trusting you, oh God. Lord, you know what we need. You know what we're going through, Father. We just lift these needs up to you here and now, oh God. God, we know who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. See you tonight.